Hello and welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theatre in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher so you never miss an episode, and leave a five-star review while you're there. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at Theatre in the Now, and visit theaterthenow.com for the latest news, reviews, and interviews. From riding a city bike to making pasta right in front of your eyes, this queen does it all. And she happened to snatch a big title recently. It's Miss Stonewall herself, Sissy Walken. Hello, Michael. How are you? Oh, I'm okay. Still a little hungover. Hungover? My did you eyes have are a, a little droopy. Did you have a fun night last night? I had a very unexpectedly long night. Yeah. It was fun, though. Of course it's fun. It's drag. Well, but uh, it was a, no, it was a really fun night. I was at Stonewall raising money for Drag Queen Story Hour. We raised uh, $500. Amazing. Um, and that was just in the box. I don't know what else. I know other people were contributing as well, so there'll probably be a larger amount. And I just think it's lovely when we get to come together and raise money for organizations uh, that deal with children's uh, issues, especially because they teach difference at such a young age. Yeah. Um, so that's really amazing. And uh, to have Ona Louise and Cholula Lemon there, who are the founders of the New York City chapter, um, were really nice to, it's just nice to have everyone, so much representation from around uh, the organization. And then for them to ask me to come was really sweet. It's amazing. Yeah. And then you made your way over to Icon and... Made my way over to Icon uh, because my sister has a sordid reputation of doing pop-up shows at one. So uh, we decided to uh, do a pop-up show. Well, yeah. Zalika asked me, and I was like, usually this is Arya's call, but oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, so then we did a show, and <laughs> Zalika basically uh, just drained this one woman in the back of every big bill she had in her wallet. So I'm not mad. Not I'm mad just at tired. All. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> Grocery money, sis. <laughs> well, we are here to talk about everything there is to know about Sissy Walken. Are you excited to share all? Oh, gosh. My tell-all. I'll use this when I go write my book later. Perfect. Well, let's start off. Where are you from? I am from Hillsborough, New Jersey. Uh, people say that Central Jersey does not exist. Correct. And, I am one of those people. Um, point your fingers to the center of New Jersey, and that's where I'm from. There's north and south, and then, like, that's No, good. but you know that little part where they intersect right there? Like, there's, like, the north, and then there's the south, and they kind of look like two islands that meet, and right at that point where they meet, if it's, like, a Venn diagram, right? That Venn yeah. diagram. That's where I'm from. And I'm tired of people not recognizing it as a part of this country because if California is going to split up into California, North California, South California, New Jersey might have that same type of thing because we got to get rid of the rednecks up north. Wow, there we go. Well, what was life like growing up in quote unquote central New Jersey? Oh, God. Um, hmm. I immediately think of the beautiful things of growing up, so. My Nana's house with this garden is something that will always sit in my heart. Um, my first house as a kid was really special. Um, I grew up with, uh, and still am very close with my very large family. My mom is one of four. My dad has a brother. Um, and so both sides, even though my parents are split, I'm still really close to both sides of my family on all of the extensions. Uh, 
And uh, yeah, I'm very grateful. All four of my grandparents are still here. And um, yeah, Amazing. childhood childhood was something, you know, like, like I think of like my family because they brought me a lot of happiness, even though families go through shit. But like, I guess like the thing of my childhood that like I don't talk about was when I was bullied, like really like get into that. Like I mentioned like I was bullied when I was nine, but I don't really talk about like what happened. Um, so uh, that was rough because it was like, I'm in this community that like votes blue, but has really red roots. Sure. And so like, um, we, by time I was graduating high school, were dealing with an epidemic, I call it an epidemic, but it was an issue of boys putting Confederate flags on the back windows of their pickup trucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I'm not, I, to me, I was not surprised. I thought it was disgraceful, but I was not surprised because, um, my dad is a good old boy from when Jersey used to be all farmlands and, uh. And I know how they talk, and I know that that rhetoric still yeah. exists. And so um, you're just dealing with a lot of hatred embedded into a community because we're on the land that was first settled by the English, you know what I mean? Um, that, like, there's so much American hatred in history mm-hmm. in our soil, and uh, I think you find that all up and down the coast, especially, like, on the East Coast, you really f- find that in communities. Yeah. So, this is going on, but you're a couple, maybe hours, minutes away from New York City. Mm-hmm. And you're a theater person. Yeah. Did you get to go see a lot of Broadway as a child? Yeah. Yeah. Compared to other children, of course. Yeah. Um, Was it like an escape for you to be like, oh my god, we're going to, to the city to go see a show? Yes. And no. Um... Because I kind of understood at a young age, like, I didn't like, like, the touristy thing. Mm-hmm. So, like, at first it was cute when I was, like, in middle school. And then, like, by high school, like, I was, like, <laughs> there was one day that I, I think it was my senior year coming into college. Because I knew I was coming to New York City. And um, I just started exploring Hell's Kitchen because I was waiting to see Porgy and Bess, uh... Audra McDonald in Porgy and Bess and uh Curtin was at seven and I had the whole day and uh I just fucking walked around Hell's Kitchen and explored that and uh that was fun um I guess I needed to escape to the city because I just wasn't finding the community at home that like I really really could um connect to uh, maybe it could have been my job to cultivate that community, but I didn't really feel like that was my plan on this earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just a lot of, like, marriage culture. Like, the Absolutely. gays, like, the gays that were coming out were, like, uh, are fucking married. Like, own a house. And I'm, like, I get, like, <sighs> like, this is, like, my really dark view on it like i get it that it's like a representation of like the nuclear christian structure that you like grew up with and are like familiar with but i just feel that there's so much richness to our history as gay people um that sometimes i feel like I see these young gay couples get married and I feel like something's lost in their exploration Mm -hmm. of themselves as gay people. I'm happy I got to have at least, you know, the four years of college, uh, 
plus before my boyfriend. So the what, six years? That's like six years, yeah. Of like time in New York City to just like explore my gayhood. Um, because without that, I wouldn't be the performer on the path I want to take myself on. Absolutely. You know? So let's talk about college a little bit. You went to... I went to Marymount Manhattan College on 71st Street. Um, there are a few of us queens that have gone there. Uh, Cherry it, yeah, has gone there. Apartment. Yeah. Um, Cherry has gone there. Clarice Dubois went to Marymount. Um, Shady Pines works at Marymount. Uh, I think it's... I Actually, I knew Shady Pines... But I never knew them as Shady right. Pines. I just knew them as the guy who worked behind the sandwich counter. <laughs> um, and I feel bad, like, I never got Shay's name as a boy back then. But, like, that's my sis now. It's just funny because, like, now she's back working there. And I'm just like, oh, maybe I'll come in and get a discount on those <laughs> sandwiches. I love the, the chipotle mayo that they served in that cafeteria. Why? I mean, you, you mentioned it, but why New York? What, you could go anywhere in okay, the, the, so, the country. Why New York? Well, of course, like, New York is the mecca of performance, and yeah. I wanted to learn how to sing, act, and dance. That's why what I went to school to do, and I feel like I learned two of those things, and I'm still struggling on the third. And, uh, you know, and I really took a lot... I took a lot of dance, Michael. Yeah. Like, And it's crazy how, like, it did not stick. Um, and I feel like there's just like a lot of mental blocks I deal with when it comes to dance and my thought process on it because I am an actor first and right. so it is, uh, it is all thought and method <laughs> and so, uh, dance is really about release and I also don't feel like I have the beautiful body in motion that I want because I'm like this lanky bony body, but they, like the dance world would tell me like, you need to muscle up, so, uh, And no. that's what the dance world would say, but then in the drag world... You, 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 you got it. Uh, uh, that's nice. Thanks. I think anyone has it in the drag world, no matter what shape your body is. Um, I think the drag world is really magical for that because I get to show my body in a way that I'm really proud of. Um, and I had to have like a coming to Jesus a few months ago, though I don't really believe in him that much. I believe I, he existed, but whatever. And, uh, I had to have this moment where I was like, with my body and saying, hey, I don't like the way this looks in the mirror anymore. Like, I know, like, there's been so many moments in my life where I feel like I've been working my ass off, running, squats, crunches, and shit, and, like, sometimes I'd get really close to that ideal body, and then I'd pretend like I have it, and then I'd plateau and then slip. And so, like, I needed to go back to yoga, because yoga is not just about, like, having, like, like a good looking body but it's like the commitment to mm -hmm, your practice mm -hmm. um the commitment to your own personal physical health um which is something that i can't get from a gym membership because i don't really want to go to a gym i just right. don't like the in i not even like i feel like gym intimidation i just don't like the smell <laughs> like i don't like the rubber mats i don't like the loud sounds i like to run and i like to belt so i run around astoria park that's how i did drag wars all stars with that first amy mix that i now do all the time the back to black one the whole album because i was just running around astoria park singing like all these songs i'm like how am i gonna hit these high notes lightly yeah agitation of breath and that's what i learned from my acting class it's like you have to be in a really like like present physical place and usually that's a lot of tension that's a lot of activity 
to like really harness the emotions yeah. that like are required for a certain scene. And vocally, I've learned. I learned this when I was in Ithaca in college because um, I went to. I worked at the Hangar Theater for a summer, um, which was lovely. Uh, I learned that my voice is best. Like I am singing my best when I'm running. And I need to get back into running, but I think now that I've committed to yoga again, and I've under, I'm learning to understand the um, commitment to my practice. That maybe I can start to commit to my running practice. Yeah. Um. So that way, my voice can be in tip-top shape. When did drag enter your life? Um. Okay. So physically, it didn't enter my life until after college. Um. Obviously, there were mo. Uh, well, actually, that's a lie. I was do every year. <laughs> Halloween in high school was a drag for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one was Ugly Betty. The second one was Marilyn Monroe. Third one, and that was gorgeous. She was gorgeous. <laughs> um, and I just wore that hair again last night, and I have a white dress, so I'm kind of like thinking maybe I need to do a Marilyn moment. There you go. Um, everyone does a Marilyn moment though, but I guess I need one too. Yeah, everyone needs one. Sure, I would. I I would want to make it. You know, like yeah, perfect. Yeah, like uh, so. I don't think the dress I have is actually that, but uh, it might. Be, it's a good costume for when I need it for something. Sure, sure. For a Simpsons episode where we do, uh, you know, something where people have to come back from the dead. Maybe find out. Tune in. Maybe. Well, how would you describe Sissy in three words? Uh, <laughs> loud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, loving mm-hmm. and I'm trying to think of like the word, like the uh, I don't uh, free. I'm just gonna say free. Sure, let's go with that. So, what is the origin story of the name? How, how did you... How oh, did gosh. Okay, in? so it's crazy. So I'm, like, on the road with this show, and I start, like, generating names. Like, I'm right. I have... I do notebooks and notepads, so I'm, like, writing everything down on notepads and journaling while I'm on the road, and I had come to a few names. Some were homages to my family's names. Some were, you know, a mixture of something, but I wanted a homemaker name. I wanted something that could go into the American home. I believe that the gay... The American home is getting, going to get gayer than it already is. Yeah. Um, and so uh, if all these corporate straight motherfuckers can make money on it, I'm going to also. Um, and uh, so I wanted a name that I feel like I could bring into people's homes. And uh, I went with Sicily at first, though there were others. But I went with Sicily Walken because I thought, oh, like it's kind, it's like a kind of play on the term "sissy that walk," you know, to s the floor, which I think is so beautiful when it's done right. And I want to be able to do it right. I'll call Fifi and she'll teach me. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I thought the homophony with Sicily was really cool, and of course, the word homophony is like the right way to get into drag. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then I kind of started to, like, resent it because I was like, I'm an Abelidon, and we don't, the Sicilians don't even think they're Italian, so, like, this is not my kind of Italian people. Like, their food is okay, but, like, mine's mine. So, um, someone, uh, on, in my cast started calling me sissy, and they started to love it. Like, in my tour bus, they started to love it. They were like, that's it, that's it, that's it, that's it. And I was like... 
this hurts. Like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to go by that. And then I was like, why does this hurt? And then it's like, oh, because of those things that happened when you were a kid with the bullies. And I mean, Michael, it started like before I even fucking knew people were taunting me. Like you don't learn that people are like, think about you in a certain way until like you grow up and then start to see those kids and you're like, oh, they probably thought the same shit about me. And like that kind of hurts is like what people will think about kids and say out loud to each other, what parents will say to each other, what parents will say to their children about their friends. Like, so you start to like revisit that in a way. And I, uh, had to, you know, swallow some of those moments and say like, you are not going to get better if you are not going to admit that you are better than that time um and i am i mean i mean my life is like in a place that nine-year-old me would have never known could happen right i would never have thought even like looking what i was thinking about what i wanted for myself as a life for my life freshman year of high school like that was already filled with so much homophobia right like just the things that i wanted for myself and it wasn't until i like had that coming out moment that I, uh, you know, could start to process the years of the bullying. And, um, now 10 years later, like, look, like, it's like when I, when I got, won the crown, I was like, I just told my boyfriend, I was like, look what God has done. Like, I'm not really a Christian anymore, but, um, this is making me emotional, but my way of, coming to love life as a gay person is to kind of understand that there is some type of deity or force that's like driving the world and maybe I'll understand my um what my beliefs mean in terms of the a religious text one day but uh uh yeah I don't even know where that question went but well I, I think you've embraced the name yeah I you, I had to I had to it. I had to take it all back and yeah. say like you know this is uh, yours yeah this is my life and this is my story and so that's why I end my shows now with and just remember there's nothing wrong with being a sissy yeah um because I had to say that to myself how long does it take to transform into sissy? Too long. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I want to get my face done faster. Um, I just bought some new eyeshadow palettes, so that's making that happen faster. But um, I'm kind of, like, still learning color things with these new palettes. Because, like, I used to use other colors to make certain effects. And now mm. I need to start using other colors to make certain effects when it's dark, higher pigmentation. So, because I was using, like, fucking Morphe, honey. Yeah. That shit's garbage. Garbage. Uh, as Foxy Scamazon would say, his sidewalk chalk. Um, <laughs> so. You mean you don't have a James Charles Morphe palette? No, I don't have money for expensive makeup. I don't know where these girls are getting this money for this expensive makeup and paying down their student, their student loan debt and their credit card debt. I still haven't paid off the debt for my Iconic. Oh my God. <laughs> I already, I have the debt of Iconic and Miss Stonewall sitting on that credit card. And I have to, and I have to put the Simpsons on that card too. We love drag. What are some of your favorite makeup products? Um, recently, I've fallen in love with this NYX liquid eyeliner pen. Yeah. This tattoo ink black pen. I think it's really fierce. It just 
makes my night go so fast. I don't even need to set it with a black powder, though I do um, at some points in my eye. Um, I'll be honest with you. I thought I was going to love Dermablend. And here's my problem, is I don't like that there's an SPF in it. Mm -hmm. And here's why. Gets in my eyes, and then my eyes are hurting yeah. and watering, Water. and it just slows down everything. Yeah. So Dermablend is okay. I think it's great for summer use, mm -hmm. especially if you're doing a pool show. Um, or, you know, riding the bus or some shit. <laughs> right? And aren't the girls, like, on the bus now with Shaquita? Or isn't that... Or yeah. is it, like, inside the... I don't know. I don't know how it works. It looks cute, though. I'm proud of them. They set a world record. Yeah. Those are friends. That's wonderful. What was your first gig, and what was the first song you performed? Hmm. Okay, are we talking first time I performed in drag, or are we talking the first time I had my... A show that I was like a part First of. First time you performed in drag. Okay, so I went to La Queen on my birthday. Actually, perform. Okay, so, oh no. I went to Suddenly Seymour show in drag for the first time ever going out in drag. Then I went to. Um, then I went to La Queen for the first time to perform, and I did. Tears on the ground, tears on the window, they won't break me down. Uh, I can't remember the name of the song. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, on my birthday, uh, my 23rd birthday, and Bob was hosting. She was out of drag by halfway through the show. <laughs> Not surprised. Neither am I. So, as a rising queen, you worked your way around the competition circuit. From Drag Wars to Star Search to Polish the Queen... You made a name for yourself. Thank you. Last summer, you took the plunge into a long-form competition in the inaugural season of Iconic. That's right. Tell us a little bit about the experience. Uh, tremendous learning experience. Uh, for me, it was. But that's because I understood what I could get from a competition like that. And I think you have to be... You have to ask yourself that question before you jump into an eight-week pageant of, like, what is that going to do for me? Um, for me, I really needed to, like, build numbers based on themes and, like, really stretch my creative palette and uh, make a really strong name for myself in my neighborhood. And uh, I, I think I did a good job. Oh, yeah. I think I did a good job. Um, there, of course, were things I wish were done differently and, like, there are costumes that don't exist anymore because they were garbage and I had to throw them out. And it's like, um, is there know, a number or a theme or a week that you wish you could like get a mulligan on, do it again? Oh God. Um, yeah, I would love to redo that, uh, dusty Springfield number I did for the make them the bag challenge, the chop challenge, which I hated. I hated the challenge itself because it's really hard for me to do that, especially with the props I had. Um, and really, like, when I'm thinking about me and learning music and, like, I got an artist like Dusty Springfield, I was like, I know, like, the choruses to two of your songs, sis. So I was like, but then it's nice because, like, now I listen to, like, four of her songs on my, you know, Spotify regularly now because of it. But at the time, I was like, oh, I, if I have to do this, I know how I work learning music. So pick a song, commit to it, and then... Now I have these things. How am I going to use this as a story? Um, 
but like that's a process I had to learn and I didn't have that process before though I kind of did when we were doing device theater and I maybe should have gone back to those handbooks and you know me and my Marie Kondo obsession yep and I never really did paper and um that's why my house is kind of falling apart because I didn't really <laughs> follow the rules and um I just really wanted my drag room done but um paper is a huge problem for me and so I have a lot of books from the hangar when I, we, I learned about device theater that I maybe could have pulled out for that challenge. Um, but regardless, you... Okay, here's, here's another thing. Here's another thing. I love my Nana number very much. It's very, very, very special to me. Um, and one day she'll see it. And that would just make my... I mean, my mom, like, bawling, like, everything like I did it yeah. I like bam this is why I do drag like to honor the women that made me strong um but I now realize I didn't understand the challenge is you know I didn't interpret the challenge to best present myself as a winner um I presented myself as an artist but I wanted to win and so really what I should have done is a city bike number why is Sissy Iconic? I should have rode into Icon on a city bike to Bicycle Race by Queen. There you go. Like, I would have taken that fucking crown. And I wouldn't have... I also shouldn't have listened to the critique as hard as I did. But it also really affected me because I was in dealing with such a personal sure, space about my heritage. And, like, here I am presenting a package tonight about coming to America and uh low production value and cheap and uh you know like those things don't make a girl feel good so that's like i I went outside and just self-medicated with a lot of marijuana and just like bombed the rest of it because i knew i wasn't winning i felt i felt disrespected in my in a spot that i wanted to call home and so that kind of like scratched me away from icon for a little bit because i was like uh i don't feel welcome in in these spaces because people are, you know, assuming that there has to be a certain, uh, you know, richness to your aesthetic. Uh, and that's not what I wanted in a drag scene that's supposed to support, you know, starving artists. Um, that's, it's not, it, it sounds like signs of gentrifying when someone says something like that. And, uh, if we're trying to protect the heritage of our neighborhood of Astoria that we all now live in, we uh, we have to also recognize the roots of the people who move here and why we move here, right? Like, my boyfriend's rent when he first moved here seven years ago was much less than what it currently is mm -hmm. now. And I think, and he's like, oh yeah, it only went up 35 bucks this year. I'm like, yeah, but the more every year it just keeps a little more a little more a little all of a sudden you're paying like four or five hundred dollars more a month now and so comments like that made me uh you know s separate from the space that space a little bit um because i felt like oh well that's where they want to go um and uh that's not where i wanted to go you know, like, I make my dresses out of garbage bags um, and room keys. And I need to get back to those roots because that's what I think made me feel really special about what I was wearing. 
Um, though, of course, I've had some people make some beautiful things for me in the interim. But, uh... No reason you can't do both. Eh, I know. You know what it is? It's time. It's really time. Yeah. And, I, like, I'm just spending a lot of time, like, developing Pasta Party and producing The Simpsons right now. And and I've been, you know, there's so many projects before that. And they just all, like, eat my time up. And I, there's not much time to just, like, devote to her. Yeah. Uh, which... Maybe if a gig were to come up and then I could give up my day job. What was the biggest takeaway from Iconic for you? Um, of course, my sisterhood yeah. with uh, the contestants and the new guys, you know, um, getting closer to Heidi, Lindsay, and you, and of course, like really really look, building this beautiful friendship I have with Aria and Andy and Sherry uh, is really tender and sweet, of course. Um, but, uh, like, professionally speaking, I feel like what I learned from this was uh, just present your best, be confident in what you're presenting. And uh, I learned... And I'm still learning a lesson of restraint uh, in my drag. I just feel like it's something we can all work on as queens is, like, doing too much. Yeah. And uh, that was definitely an example of me doing way too much when I could have done less. Though I feel like that what... No, like, and, and I've had this conversation with the three of you. Um, I feel like that was not what was presented to us as an expectation of what you want to see this contest become. And so I felt a different kind of pressure to put together things that were big and spectacular because this was the inaugural season Mm -hmm. of this contest. And I wanted stuff that could go viral on social media, right? Like I wanted to like really create that type of excitement beyond just a package that won I wanted to create excitement about wow this really up and burgeoning scene in our neighborhood um and so that's why I feel like I did so much at that time um and I was working with such little money coming in uh and I was like literally painting cardboard like you know what I mean like I had nothing but debt and a dollar store and so i'd be over here (laughs) this is what's so fucked up is i'd be using fresh made to like pay my rent and then like i'd be going to do like itty bitty drag shows to like scrape cash together to go to the dollar store and buy like what i needed when i needed it um or buy fabric from 30th avenue fabrics because that's that's how i got through that's how I got through yeah. it all. Like, you know, um, like it was a real test of my MacGyver skills. What advice would you give to those contestants who are about to embark on season three? Um, hmm. Be prepared. Like, what I did and what I loved about your contest was that you sent an email with an eight-week breakdown. And so I just kind of kept things, like paragraphs there that were important, deleted certain things, and like used that as a template for a draft to plan out my entire package for the entire competition. Yeah. 
Um, and I think you should be thinking, especially when you're doing anything that's more than one week, you need to be thinking ahead. Um, you know, so if you're doing, you know, Miss Q Train was two weeks, even though it was a four week pageant, but it was two weeks of participation. So I had to know the first time, okay, if I win, then I move on to the next round and I have to have this idea. When you're doing an eight week pageant like Iconic, you really need to be thinking four weeks in advance. You need to have, you know, you need to start making numbers. Like we're starting September 1st and we're what, August 20th now? Where we start September 22nd. Oh, okay, great. So, okay, great. So we have a month right now. So like the girls or others, I don't know. I'd Performers. Hopefully, I hope you have a, a diverse cast this year. Um, but uh, I expect them to be at least pulling material to make the first four mixes. Yeah. Um, though they probably have that first one made if, they're, if it's the same one like last time where it's getting to know you. I mean, I had my pasta yeah. number done. Um, so then you spend your time working on the mini challenges um, and start to plan those things out. If we have Snatch Game again this year, you bitches better be ready. And when are you calling me to judge that fucking episode? No, I'm not kidding. My two Snatch Games have brought me my two Lori Beachman shows. Well, it, it, it's true. I mean, that's the other thing. Like that, that was my that was like the best night ever. Is that you never know who's going to be in the room watching. Um, in these competitions, one person can shape your entire trajectory. If they're on a judges' panel. One night, one night, one night, one night. All you, you have one night to show your shit off. Now with Iconic, you have eight nights to show your shit off. Like, that's why I say, like, you better fucking bring it. Like, sorry, girls. I like you girls. Season two, I was disappointed by about 50%. Um, and that 50% didn't make it to the finale. Well... Whatever, there's the whole thing. But, like, some of them did. But, uh, I feel like... Well, no, no one who made it to the finale shouldn't have been there. That's actually... Right? Let me think of your finale again. <laughs> yeah. No. Everyone should have been there because of the work that they brought throughout the eight weeks. I'll give them that. Um, there was some other shit that I just thought was intolerable. I was like, this is not what you should be fucking bringing to an eight-week pageant. Like, like this isn't just, like, a, you know... Night at the Ritz, like, and, and that's no slam on Miss Adder. Uh, but, like, that's, a, you know, she even wanted to make that more elevated, and it's, I hopefully she can get it there, but now she's doing this show. But, uh, you know, it's not like, ugh, it's not Drag Wars, but even Drag Wars All-Stars, Shaquita wants you to bring it. And even to Drag Wars on a regular night, Shaquita wants you to bring it. So I feel like the expectation everywhere is you have to bring it. Yeah. So, like, why the fuck aren't you bringing it? And I feel like that's a real slam on the work that, like, you guys put into this is when your contestants, like, kind of give, like, half-assed work. Like, no, sis, be on top of it. Like, do you want to win? And, like, don't get mad at people who win or place when uh, you didn't put in the fucking work. You know what I mean? Like, you can have an opinion if you fucking goddamn did your shit, but if you didn't, like, shut up. Just yeah. do the work. Just do the work and be prepared. Um, I, I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like, okay, here, I'll, I, that was like a really bitchy moment and I'll sum it up with this. Uh, I am really tired of hearing excuses as to, uh, why people can't finish competitions or why, uh, they don't understand why they aren't doing better 
at those competitions, especially if you've been doing them for so long and you're like, God, it keeps going low or da da da. I'm like, what are you bringing? Like, what do you, you have to have a conversation with yourself as to what you're bringing. And so I hope that your season three girls and boys and uh, everyone uh, are bringing, are having that conversation with themselves. It's important to have. Um, and I will say now on the light note that, uh, and I'm sure we'll get to this, but uh, everything happens when it's supposed to happen. Um, pageants are about supporting your sisters. I learned that from Iconic, though I really learned that from Miss Stonewall. But I came back to Iconic and then realized I needed to learn that. Um, the pageants are about supporting your sisters. And uh, while drama is fun and all, and there is obviously heat in the moments, um, if you need to be that person that has an Uber as soon as the show's over, so you can just get out and speak your piece at home, be that person. Like, if you know you have shit to say and you're not going to keep it quiet, like, get in a car, go home. Um, but do your best to always remember that people have feelings and just because you're feeling a certain way doesn't mean you get to change everyone else to make them feel like your way is the way to feel. Yeah. You have to, you can't do that. Well, let's talk about what you alluded to before. This year we celebrated the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, and this past June we celebrated as you were crowned Miss Stonewall. What was it like to win the title? Singly, it is the um, most honoring and special thing that has happened to me in my lifetime. I am eternally grateful. Uh, I felt so many stories of my life come full circle in that moment from the abuse as a kid to the um, uh, coming out story I later faced to the first three years of drag to uh, my struggle with academic theater. Um, so many moments came full circle for me. So it was personally a really um, special moment because that package was, again, really based on where I come from and who I am and how I see the world. And uh, I really, really, really mean and intend to bring packages that have a theme and a structure and tell a story throughout. And I felt, um, I felt like, yes, yes, we're seeing it. I'm be I'm communicating that now. Um, so as an artist, that was really special to know that there, that the messages that I'm bringing into my work subtextually are coming through in, 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 in being recognized as finer detail instead of jumble. Yeah. Um, and of course, winning this pageant. I mean, I did this for, I did this for the sash. I did not do this for the crown. Um, because like the crowns are pretty, but sashes mean things. And, uh, when I wear that sash, I feel like a person who represents, a 
community and a voice. And, um, of course, everyone's voice is super important, but sometimes we're all not heard. And people uh, tend to listen to white gays, uh, you know? So I, and that's, that's, and that's like a comment on systemic structures of, you know, uh, creating minorities within our community. Like, that's what we do is, yeah. what we have done as gay people and uh, is find ways to exclude ourselves from the conversation about ourselves. And so, and then that's what I'm saying. Like, I am very honored to have this title because I want to allow it as an open forum for all different uh, branches of our community. Um, we you know, have a sex worker crisis here in Astoria. There are, there, there are places where these activities are happening that are not safe to the, you know, people who work there. Um, and that's, that's a story of our community. Um, there are, you know, countless stories now that you are seeing and of people facing abuse on the streets like queens and kings and in drag facing uh hurled verbal assaults and um physical threats and uh you know especially with vehicular machinery like like these people are driving they have a fucking car like and you're just like there with the suitcase on the sidewalk like they could fucking run you over if they hated you that much yeah. and they wouldn't give a shit about it um, and so these are voices in our community that, and stories that we need to be saying out loud. And so, you know, I've, you know, I've, I had a one moment where I spoke with ABC after uh, the police came out and apologized. And I was like, I'm Miss Stonewall. Here's my sash. And they wouldn't put me on TV because I wasn't going to say something that benefited the police. There you go. Uh, and, you know, like, I, because I wanted to make sure that the story I told was actually, you know, when they asked me a question, was actually a story about the people in our communities, uh, in our community, you know, who are still affected by the results of the riot. Um, how apologizing for their behaviors doesn't necessarily, like, may bring, could have brought more relief to the elders who were at the riots if the commissioner decided to speak with the elders and, uh, you know, apologized to them personally right. with them in the room instead he held a press conference where it was only media outlets and especially the big ones up front uh where he could be like yeah this is a new way of doing policing in new york and we're sorry for something that happened 50 years ago oh and we're gonna apologize for it on the anniversary month of it happening like you know what i mean it seems like pomp and circumstance mm -hmm. uh Which it was. and um and you know i honestly i don't believe that the bar uh orchestrated that in any way uh, or the charity that the you know, bars associated with it, that I don't think they have that kind of legal pulling power. So it definitely feels like to me, it was something that the New York city police did, um, to be visible mm -hmm. in this moment. It's a ploy. Um, it is a ploy. And, and then the, that is not to disrespect the, uh, individual officers that work the streets mm -hmm. every day. You know, we do have terrible examples like Pantaleo who was just fired today. Um, but we also deal with, um, we have, you know, good, honest working cops on the streets that are, there are just far and few between anymore. Um, now, I will say what they are instructed to police may not be the right things at right, at 
all times. Um, but there, you know, I, this is why I believe in Elizabeth Warren because we need st large structural change, and you and that can go into so many spaces, um, like drag and working in bars, but also like the police, right? Like those are two places where large structural change would really benefit the gay community, um, and so. I'm honored to have this title because I want to be able to have that seat at the table and um, say the things that uh, generally get pulled out of larger conversations, especially when they go on televised or Facebook media, because I just feel like so much censorship and producer um, input really tends to skew the conversation sure. away from certain things. And you saw that in the debates where Marion Williamson said, you know, this is a case, you know, this is a sickness and that corporations are profiting off of the uh, detriments that you have to your own body and your physical health. And what is, we need to revisit what's making us sick, whether that's agricultural policy, what, and it is agricultural policy, mm -hmm. um, and environmental policy, um, the, uh, the food and drug administration, um, those things uh, matter, and I'm to me, those things matter to me. And I know they matter to everybody else um, because they're ultimately forces that regular, hardworking, poor people like us, like, I don't mean to say that in any way to shame you or myself and all the success no, we have, but when you look at the wealth structure of the planet where the 1% are, you know, there's about 1,600 billionaires on a 300 million person planet. Um, that is wild. So yes, I'm poor because the richest of the rich are so rich. But when you talk about things like agricultural policy and general health concerns, and the reason why healthcare costs are so expensive is because we've allowed healthcare companies to inflate right? They have so much fat to trim off. And that would affect so many people across this country who have jobs, like my mom who works for an advertising company that works under a subsidiary of a pharmaceutical company, right? So see, these are, um, what do we call these? Um, shadow companies, right? Mm -hmm. Where they like, whether, whether it's Pfizer or GlaxoSmithKline or whatever, Johnson & Johnson, they own these like um, small other companies that can either fold or get bought up and merge, uh, and they never affect Johnson Johnson's name because they're under, right? Just like what the Koch brothers did. But, mm -hmm. um, well, no, just, uh, you yeah, know. No, I hear you. Um, but that's, oh, sorry, you didn't mean to do that. You better cut that out. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, that's why I'm very happy to have this title because I, and no shade on any of the other contestants. I'm not sure how they would speak on those issues, but I know how I would speak on those issues if I was asked that question, these questions. And um, it's what we need to talk about as a community because Tina Verner says it, and I'm sure everyone else does too. Uh, we, will all, we will be stronger as a community than we ever will be as a nation um, because as this nation continues to get funded by corporations, uh, no thanks to... Uh, our Supreme Court, uh, we will have to bind, bind, bound together as a community and uh, tackle the issues on our own. If, if being gay is what has to unite us, so be it. 
at least something's uniting us that's not corporately driven, right? Because I feel like, and, and I mean, that's also a loaded question. That's also a loaded gun, right? Because we just dealt with it during World Pride of all the corporate uh, interests and pride and um, should that affect participation in the, right. in the march? And it should. I really, I really, really subscribe to Alexis Michelle's vision on that. Um, she made a status where she said, you know, corporations should be working with uh, uh, charities throughout the year and then have to partner with them yeah. on floats. And I think that's a fabulous way to do it. Um, it's, it's not going to get corporations out of the gay rights movement. Um, and it's, and in many ways it can be debated as to whether corporations should or should not have access to uh, gay rights. But um, I think what they can provide in terms of resources can be helpful if we keep them in line, right? If we are going to be a country that is run by a bunch of um, bureaucrats and uh, 1% folk, which I'm not voting for that, but if that's the way our government continues to run in the next four and a half years, then we need to really partner uh, with these corporations to make sure that they don't fall out of line under these new economic policies. Um, and we can do that through a gay rights lens yeah. because then we can protect all civil rights um, and make sure that targets aren't closing in underprivileged communities because then that allows for dollar generals to come in. And when those come in, you lose, um, you lose access to a better quality of food. Yeah. which then affects health of a community. When you have communities that don't have, you know, doctors at every corner, uh, that's, not, that's not good. And so this is how gay rights, the fight on gay rights and the conversations that we're having with people who are taking interest in gay rights, uh, how we can use those things to solve a problem. Uh, and so back, circling back to your question, I'm very happy to be your Miss yeah. Stonewall because um, I will, I missed Stonewall 2019, but as um, anyone will tell you, once you are one, you're one forever. Um, and so I can always rely on the fact that my career is uh, supported by uh, a heritage of queer folk that have guided me and taught me whether they were my college professors or people I work with professionally in cabaret and theater. Um, I feel like I, I've culminated so much of their lived experience into my own view of the world. And it makes me really happy to have this title and ability to get to share my views. Cause I think, I think if someone listens to me, then maybe then they'll want to tell me their views and I can listen to them. Starts a conversation. And uh, then we can really do some things. Well, from Stonewall to the Beachman, last fall you made your Lori Beachman debut with your iconic Amy Winehouse tribute show, Back to Life. Thank you. Next month you're returning to the Beachman with a brand new show, The Simpsons. Yeah. Tell us about it. Uh, it is so exciting. It is so zany. So me and my four friends, Coco, Taylor... Aria Derji, Pussy Willow, and Andy Starling are creating this drag cabaret spectacular uh, where we are just reinterpreting. We are re 
interpreting the Sims, the the uh, classic American television sitcom story of a nuclear family uh, through a gay lens. Um, and obviously, I mentioned before I love homophony, so The Simpsons is very close to that show. And, uh, I mean, just to... You know, of course, I'm speaking in allegedly's here, as Wendy would call it. Sure. Um, I uh, am really excited to be tackling this piece because uh, it's something that Ron and Chip have been pushing me to do for a while. Um, and uh, I love this show, and I've grown up watching it, even when my mom's family would be like, I can't believe you let these kids watch this show. Because I'm watching this shit now, and I'm like, oh my god, he made fisting jokes? Like, <laughs> like I'm like, this is, like, amazing. And uh, I used to watch this as a kid. Um, do the Simpsons make me gay? No, but uh, do the Simpsons always have it right? No. <laughs> but uh, they do, they did help me uh, re-envision not re-envision, but build my view of the world. And um, I think it's where my sadistic uh, uh, s style of humor comes from because I don't I don't find, like, regular slapstick so funny, but I do find uh, cultural jokes a hoot. What do you hope the audience gets out of this experience? Um... I want my audience to feel uh, nostalgic to what they grew up watching. I want them to. I want them to feel happy. Um, I just, I really want them to feel really happy and like they had a really fun time walking yeah. out of the show. Uh, Whereas Amy was really about, like, trying to, like, challenge uh, themes on addiction and uh, the discussion on it, uh, I really feel with this show that, like, yes, we're going to have a conversations about different things, and the inherent writing of this show is structured on a specific theme each episode. Um, and so, actually, it's funny that I mentioned that about Amy, because our, our first episode, which will probably be our first three weeks there, just the way that we're still writing and yeah. developing this. Um, once we, ha I feel like once we have a style, like we're just going to be able to, yeah, and just like turn out a new episode once a month, which would be grand. Which is what I want to see happen. Is what I've wanted for my life for a while, but not just with The Simpsons, but with a bunch of other things. And that's bigger dreams. Um, uh, I think with The Simpsons, it's really about. Uh, challenging uh, having a theme encompass the whole show and then exploring that theme through Simpsons plot lines um, so I don't want to spoil anything no don't I don't want to spoil anything but in writing this first episode we started to put together the ideas that we had originally of just coming together and saying well what Simpsons drag can we make and what is a funny story and what tells these character stories and then I started to find common threads through that and be like, we have material here that supports this theme. So let's go from there. Um, and so now we're on a path that supports that theme, but I don't think it's going to be so evident that that's the theme. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, 
It might be, but it might not be. And that's, again, what I love about The Simpsons, the ambiguity in so much yeah. of it. Uh, and so, and it, right, the work lends itself to that. But I've learned so much more about the writing process that they have by now tackling their material um, uh, in a way that I find really funny. Well, I have a difficult marketing question for you. Uh-huh. How will you entice those drag fans who are not necessarily fans of The Simpsons? Um, who? Well, I've never watched The Simpsons. In your life? Never. I was never allowed to. Um, well, I hope one, my all-star cast entices you because they're fucking sickening. That's a good marketing ploy. So, one. Um, and two, uh, if you've never watched The Simpsons, it's, we're storytellers, so... There is a, you are going to watch a piece of theater, whether you're, whether you understand all of the Simpsons references or not. Um, I think what's so magical about the show is the voice work is so character specific that like, yes, we have to act, but there's so much already done for us that I think you just need to witness like a live dinner style drag theater show uh with a full cast you know my last one i i god god i want to go back and do it again because now i have like so many ideas of like what that show could be because i you know time and money uh but here like now i'm able to bring a full cast of girls into this and uh we're gonna if you like drag and you like good mixes, which most people do, uh, though there are some drag people that don't. And, like, that's that's mm -hmm. fine. I have another show for you called Back to Life. Um, right? Like I do. Uh, but uh, this is... This is for just people who love fun Friday night-style drag entertainment. Yeah. Um, no matter, like who you are, what type of, if you like detest the Simpsons and think they are like, what's wrong with America? You're right. But, um, that doesn't mean you won't enjoy this show. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to play this or that. We oh, I love this or that. I love, right? I do it at my shows all the time. And I feel like people are like, Oh my God, what the fuck are you doing? Who does this or that? Like, so thank you. All right. Ready? Day or night. Um, energy <laughs> fight or flight fight left or right left blonde or brunette dirty blonde stilettos or pumps stilettos at the platform yeah N no pumps those platforms i was talking to someone about it last night we need to like put the fucking cushions or something like in the in the wooden platform like nike air or some shit like <laughs> i'm not kidding like someone needs to develop this technology because go like that that's why those platforms hurt for me like i can fucking walk all night in a pair of like four inch those really pointed toe pumps and i do it i do shows in those fucking shoes all the time but you put a platform on it and i'm done because it's just like smacking my fucking foot Country or rock and roll? Rock and roll. Text or call? Actually, no. Oh, God. I feel like country is more of a songwriting. But, like, there's parts of rock and roll that are really songwriting-based, so songwriting's the answer. Great. Text or call? Call. Love or money? I plead the fifth. 
Velma or Roxy? It's always love. Um, <laughs> it, uh, Velma, that's a, why am I struggling with that one? Velma or Roxy? Um, I guess Roxy. Alphabet or Glenda? Alphabet. Sondheim or Schwartz? Oh, Sondheim. Oh, I, wow. Michael. Iced coffee or hot coffee? Um, I want an ice today. I need an ice right Booze now. Booze or weed? Weed. Jersey Shore or Real Housewives of New Jersey? Like the TV show Jersey mm-hmm. Shore? Real Housewives of New Jersey. Back to Black or Rehab? Back to Black. Pasta or pizza? Pasta. Bart or Lisa? Lisa. I think it's fair and safe to say that your signature number is your pasta number. Thank you. Let's go behind the music. How did it come to be, and why did it become your signature number? So I work at this cooking school called Fresh Made, and when I started there almost two years ago, we were working on a individual pasta recipe, so that way the kids could make pasta in class. And so my boss found one online, and then we'd been, like, adding and subtracting and really, like, finding a way that can, like, work for us in the studio. Like, it may not be everyone's best way to do it at home, but, like, we needed one that, like, they could roll it, it would mix, it could be kneaded, and then it could be rolled out and cut within an hour, right? And so we needed to find a measurement that was good, um, and we settled on what we were doing, and I was just kind of like, you know, I feel like it'd be so funny, like, just telling my coworkers would be like, I feel like it'd be so funny if I just like did a number where I like did this recipe because it's just like a little bit of flour, one egg, and some oil, and uh, and some salt. And uh, I started to do it one time in the studio. I put on Be Italian, and then I was like starting to mix the pasta, and I was like, it was like, oh shit, I need to like switch to the other idea because it like just immediately came to my head. It was like, oh now I grab the dough and I start rolling it out here because I wanted to be able to. Right? I just, like, it all just, like, clicked to me as to, like, where these moments came. Um, and so that's how it happened. And I built the number at that job. And uh, from that number, I've been able to create a successful series of pasta parties that will soon be coming to a home near you. Uh, you can Ooh. bring it into your home if you want. Um, your birthday's coming up, get a few of your friends together and a couple hundred bucks. And then, uh, we will, uh, have a full three course meal in your home for your birthday, for your graduation party, for, uh, just drinking, for your corporate event. Um, she's there. Um, and, uh. Once I get that website built, that will happen. Uh, it's, yeah, it is, I'm grateful that it's my signature number because, again, my drag is, you know, uh, guiding the future through the past is how I look at drag. Um, and that's how I look at all art, right? Uh, especially when you study art history. So, uh, for me, it's nice to have a piece that is uh, close to home. And, uh, I can be like really authentically myself and like, if I want to be a loud putana that night, I'm going to be one. Uh, and, uh, it's also, it's getting me out of the bars and like no shade on the bars, but like, it's not where I fit Mm -hmm. all the time. And, um, 
allowing me to have a business venture that uh, I see to be really unique to myself and profitable and I hopefully not stepping on anyone's toes. I mean, well, like you said earlier, like you want to bring drag into homes. And the home. You, I want to bring it. Yeah. Uh, one day there will be a line of Sissy's pasta that you will buy off the shelf. Or are they going to be like penises or are they going to be like actual pasta? No, it's going to be food. <laughs> well, like no penis shaped pasta. Um, online only. <laughs> Special edition. What is the most requested number of yours that you wish people would stop requesting? People don't request numbers. They don't? They don't say, okay, you're Oh, oh, like when people and, book me and they're yeah. like... I mean, the only one that people ever ask me to do is... Well, no, okay, they ask me to do Be Italian and they ask me to do Amy. Uh, like, that's... But, like, whenever I... Sometimes when they ask me to do Amy, like, I bring it... I bring the wig and then I, like, get out of it anyway. Like, unless you want me to be there the whole night as Amy, like, you have to tell me that. But, like... Yeah. Um, there was a moment where I was, like, getting a little tired of doing Amy all the time because I was like, oh, God, I want to show myself individually, but, like, I don't really have any other numbers for myself right now that are, like, getting me money. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, but I was also, like, promoting my show, so it was, like, just being out on the town and just, like, showing up. Um, I don't know. I, I'm not really tired of anything. I don't think... I think if I'm tired of a number, it's because I'm choosing to do it, not because other people are choosing. Sure. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I pretty much pick what I'm doing, because I'm like, I'm, I want to do shit. But, like, last night I sang a new song at Stonewall, something I didn't, hadn't done before, and, like, I need to keep doing that for myself. Uh, and also finish some of these big mixes I have, because, mmm, girl, you thought she was done with the competition circuit? Yeah. Well, it's time to play the cameo game show. If you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price, but each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you'll have to guess who costs more. Oh. You ready? Oh, I love this. First up is Willem or Violet Chachki. Um, I'm going to say Violet costs more. Violet Chachki is $500. Willem is $69. Yeah, that sounds about right. Willem's, Willem's a real bitch. Manila Luzon or Trinity the Tuck? That shade. Um, uh, things are more expensive in New York. Manila Luzon. Trick question. They're both $100. Oh. <laughs> Next up is Milk or the Vixen? Milk. Milk is $55. The Vixen is 60 Okay, that's not... Both of... I mean, whatever. Both are not terrible. Next we have... Teresa, not Violet. Violet Tachik is really five hundred dollars. It's yeah. Um, next up is Teresa Judice or Melissa Gorga. Teresa. Yep, she's two hundred. Melissa is one seventy five. Gag. Next is Margaret Josephs or Danielle Staub. Who's Margaret Josephs? She's one of the new wives, housewives. <laughs> Danielle. Danielle is 125. Margaret she is She got 90. that black card to pay off. Don't you remember? She tells mm -hmm. you every time she's one of the first. She's the first woman in New Jersey to have an American Express black card. What mm. a thing. What a, t <laughs> what a title. Get her a crown. Next is Frank Catania. Frank Catania or Joe Gorga. Oh, God. Joe Gorga. Joe Gorga is the same price as Danielle Stop at 125 and Frank is only $15. Joe Gorga. Can I, do I, can I ask... 
No, they no. I can't tell them what I want them to say to yes, me. Yes, you right? can. You can like tell them. What I want to. I want yeah. like Joe Gorga. I want. I want Joe Gorga to say, "Sissy, I want to suck your dick." Like that's <laughs> what I want Joe Gorga to tell me. For your birthday, someone's gonna get you that. Oh, damn, that sounds lovely. Next is Kim D or Kathy Wakili. <laughs> Kim D. Uh huh. Kim D is only $25. Kathy is 75 What? Kathy Wakili, who was on one season? And then she guested a couple times. Oh my god. With a new face every time. <laughs> Alright, and this is the final one. How much can you get a cameo from Gia Judice? How much does she cost? Oh god. I, oh god, that makes me so sad. She's the 18-year-old She's now me? 18. Okay, so... So she's legal. Oh... I know, right? Oh, God. Also, she's 18 I just, years old. How did that happen? I think it's despicable, but um, if Kylie can do it, so can she, and better to be an Italian. So uh, I hope she's making what I say you should make before you walk in the door. 100 bucks. $30. For wow, a minute wow. video from Jane Judice. All right. Are you ready for some tea time? Yeah. Let's start off with okay, sure. the oh. one and only... These are people. Wait, you so know. I have to talk about these yeah, people. Yeah, you can tell a story, some tea. Well, we're already in an hour eight. You oh, want me to start telling oh, yeah. stories? Oh yeah. Oh boy. Um, I mean, someone needs to have the longest podcast ever. It might be me. All right, we're gonna start off with Heidi Ho. Um, Aunt Heidi is the best drag aunt I could ever have. Um, I don't have a mom. Uh. But I'm happy my sister does, and what a better person to help guide her. Uh, and that's what she is so good at for so many of us, is um, advice and just being there for us and present and listening to us and um, helping us. She's helped me and so many of my sisters develop their path and their their vision. And uh, she's great people, and uh, I love doing her shows. Next up, Nicole Anoscopy. Nicole is a hard worker, a talented queen, and um, obviously there was a moment where things were not in the best of shape, and uh, I'm just grateful now that we don't have a relationship like other people in the city that uh, are, is just, it's just so combative and it almost like poisons their shows. Um, though some queens like capitalize on that. I don't want to be that girl. And I especially would not want to be that with her because she's, uh, a good person and doesn't, uh, and she's a professional. So like that should not be something that revolves around our careers forever. Next we have Hibiscus. Um, the sweet i was just thinking about hibiscus last night because you look you look at like some like facebook interactions right where like girls are like i need this and then you start to see like other people start to like step up for those girls and be like yeah i can help you get this i can help you with that like um hibiscus was that for me she was the i'm getting rid of a bunch of clothes here and so like i have like jumpsuits from hibiscus that hurt because they're all sequins <laughs> but um I, you know, am so grateful to her because she has, like, seen me. She has made sure that I have, like, uh, things that I, like, in my possession to just make good, easy drag with. Um, 
and she's provided me just with like a lot of laughs and good friendship and uh, uh, I am excited to see where her journey goes from here because like she just had a she had a really tremendously successful year last year with her glam nomination and her reign as Miss Stonewall which was exceptional and um, I, she's a performer and a cheerleader and being able to do amazing things with through charity with her cheerleading team um, but I do think that there is like a there will be a, an even larger moment for her in the near future um, so like I hope your eyes are still on her next Fifi Dubois okay so here's the thing she, she may listen to this and I should listen to her podcast and so should everyone um, just like you're listening to Block Talk right now you should go listen to Fifi's podcast. Um, if there was one person in New York City I wish would be my drag mom, it's her. <laughs> because I just I want to be a I want to be a singing entertainer like she's a dancing entertainer. Okay. Um, I just feel I see the fire in it. I see the commitment. I see the rehearsal. Um, and she's one of the people that I've called to be like, hi, I need help. Uh, what's your rate? Like, because like, that's, I, I want to learn from people who, uh, you know, are doing things in a way that I find successful, uh, or, or I even witness to be successful. You know what I mean? Like you ever go to one of her shows? It's like, you would think like, oh, it's, she's a dancer. Like, it's probably going to be whatever. Like, no, it's fierce. Yeah. Like, and there's so many dancers that I feel like get on microphone and they're just like, how are we doing? And it's like, she doesn't need that. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I hate being the girl that's like, how are you doing? And like, she's just so prepared. She got like 20 tricks up her back pocket that like, uh, she is like a powerhouse host and entertainer. And I, you know, like I want her to be the next Miss Gay America because one day I want that for myself. And so she needs it for her first. So that way, if I wouldn't for her, she doesn't get mad at me. But uh, she, she will be Miss Gay America 2020. I have faith. I believe in it. Uh, I really do. I, I believe that this is her year. I believe it was Tina Burner's year for uh, Comedy Queen. So I believe it's Fifi's year. New York's taking over. Um, and as we should. We are right We are right where all the best fabric exists. We are where all the fashion schools exist. All the theater schools exist. Like, we are, we are all the talent in one city. Some cities don't have all these things, right? Los Angeles does not have, like, the performers that we have. Though there are fabulous entertainers, uh, you get a lot more dancers out there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, which, because there's such a huge commercial dance scene out there in Los Angeles outside of drag. Sure. Um, whereas New York's work scene is theater. So that's why you have a lot more singing queens. And um, you have, uh, we, you know, we need more of, and Fifi does it. We need more girls to tap. Yeah. Uh, I don't tap. I never could tap. It was the worst thing I could do in college. It's petty taps. Well, petty taps, but uh, we need more, uh, like, uh, like I want to see like a tap drag show, or not even not even that because that gets boring. But like, uh, you want to see a dance show that ha gives everything. Yeah, I also want to see like, in some of these pageants, like real hard tap. Like, mm -hmm. like so, that would be very impressive in the right storytelling. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready to see some uh, ballroom and some pageants. I know. Oh God, someone needs to do. Um, Someone needs to do, like, a whole My Fair Lady number. 
Yeah, like well, there you go. Yeah, or or um, a king and I just do a whole Annalena Owens. Night. Ugh, Next up, beautiful. we have Christy Blaze. Mother. Um, her, Phil, and Naomi and Chauncey welcome me with open arms into Polish the Queen. And when I was going through the circuit, there were so many contests and I wanted to participate in all of them. And obviously you can't do everything, um, but I thought I could. And uh, when it came down to it, I would always end up going to the spaces that I felt comfortable and homey in mm-hmm. and polish was that place and christy um is really doing something wonderful for allowing a different uh eye on drag to have say in shaping what is coming out in the new queen market right mm-hmm. um there are there are performers that i think coming up who are going to rep- resemble a more classic style of drag um, because of Polish the Queen. Um, and I think it's beautiful that we, uh, you know, have queens and understand our history because it makes your performance richer. It makes the context of your work deeper. Um, right? People like Tina Twirler, uh, who are just like, you watch how they're lip syncing and you're like, oh, okay. I'm, I'm understanding more of where you're watching drag. And, uh, Polish the Queen is really marvelous because Phil and Christy bring in some really amazing uh, talent from across the scene mm-hmm. uh, to judge, right? Like, like I love you and Jim and all the people who judge the pageants, but uh, Polish is really a place where there are people judging that I've never... Like, yeah. They're like, they come from pageants in orlando and it's like whoa cool like thanks this is cool next up is a two for one angel Electra and shady pines oh god oh girl i love them so much they're two girls that have given me a lot of work um they have called me many times and um uh i always do my best to say yes and show up there was actually one time recently at uh sycamore um, where we were going to do a pride show together on the night of the riots. And I fucked up my foot so bad at the gig before I put my feet up to like rest them before the show. And I took my heels off and my foot swole up like double size. I couldn't put any weight on it. So I had to leave and couldn't do the show. And like, those are moments where I feel bad because I'm like, I should like commit and pull up to my full end of it. But like your body happens and, um, they're just always forgiving. Um, and uh, I was just with them last night doing a show, and they're going to be at my invasion on the first. So amazing! Yeah. Next we have Chola Spears, also going to be on my uh, in my invasion on the first. Um, did you know this already? No, Love I did it. not. That's amazing. I'm um, just one of those people who just is so intuitive that I can figure things out. Oh, I love <laughs> I love Chola. I met Chola when we were doing Weppa Wednesdays in Brooklyn. Right. Um, back when that was a thing and I don't even know I haven't heard from Ellipse since, since so long um, but that show dissipated and there were many reasons why it did and um, it still brought a lot of us together um, it was a crew of us that like sort of met at Drag Wars and would also like come and reconvene at Drag Wars but like also felt like we were kind of getting pushed out of that scene because it was like Egypt and everyone trying to be her um, there's only one mm-hmm. there's only one I wish you girls would learn. It's only one Egypt. 
well, there's two. There's the country and there's the person. <laughs> but uh, just, right, like uh, there's Egypt and there's China. And uh, they're both countries and legendary queens. So back off. Uh, and But that suffice to say is that we found Wepa as this place to create a really, like, obscure drag that was Manhattan and Brooklyn in one. Uh, and then with a little sprinkle of queens for me. And, uh, yeah, Chola is a good, good Judy of mine, and I'm happy that she's going to be in my invasion. And, uh, yeah, uh, I know people got things to say about everybody, and, uh, unless I've had a problem with you, uh, I don't have a problem with you. Yeah. And, uh, she has been tremendously kind to me, so that's that amazing next is a violet tendency and what a babe i love her or them sorry oh god my pronoun problems are really bad i'm like really bad with pronouns like because but it's important that you're aware of that because there are a lot of people who are not i'm really really bad with it um to me um violet is one of the most tender loving people uh, I've worked with in nightlife. Um, she produces something that's really special to her style of drag and from what we've been able to now witness so many other amazing performers uh, that she's really carved out her own niche in the biz. And uh, I'm super proud of her and uh, also super in love with her. Next we have Vicki DeVille. Oh, an icon. Oh my gosh. Vicky, I feel like I'm over here, like, this huge damn fan of Vicky DeVille. Uh, and, like, that's not even just because I'm a drag queen, but because, like, if I was, like, just an entertainer, like, I would still be following Vicky DeVille on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, because uh, she is... She is marvelous. Like, she is... My favorite, 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 favorite person. Uh, the, it's a big statement, but like she's she's one of my favorite people I've met on the competition circuit. Yeah, like sweetheart, like total sweetheart. Because not even that, she's a total sweetheart, and she has the fucking work. Mm-hmm. You know, we were back to earlier where, like, don't show up with excuses. Like, Vicky has never had an excuse. No. Her shit has always looked fine. Like, her performances have always been great. She just doesn't play. Yeah. You have one shot. She knows that. And that's mm-hmm. why she succeeded so much. It's true. And uh, everyone can take a lesson from her because she's silent but deadly. Yeah. I really... Like, you go and meet... Like, I, She's not a big talker in person. Um, you know, like, she's not like me. Like, I make a fucking scene. And Vicky's very much, like, just stand there and very much more docile than I. And, uh, it's, I, we can all take a lesson from what she's doing on the side. Yeah. Next we have Seraphim. Seraphim's great. Um, Seraphim's, uh, a very nice person. And, uh, we got to do a block party together which was really fun. Um, and, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't want to say anything about anybody that I should just, like, say to them. Uh, because because Seraphim, I feel like, uh, 
someone that I can be genuine with if I was like to actually speak to them about anything. But um, no, I think she's amazing. I, you know, she's like what my age. Um, I want to see her like focus a little more and like like just like get a little more specialized in what it is she brings to the table um, as a performer because like there's potential there, but you have to recognize and jump on that. Next up, Pussy Willow. Mmm, what a sweetie. Uh, the biggest heart, the biggest heart. Um, so brave and um, uh, also a person that's really carving out their own place for themselves. And, you know, sometimes we find that, like, uh, the waves of life kind of pull us back into the ocean and we're just kind of, like, swimming and trying to, like, get there. And maybe she's in that place right now, but I don't think she'll be there forever. Um, right? Like, I, I'm so sad about the loss of Pussy Party at Albatross. Like, that's their loss. Um, because that, that show was so, um, was so special for her. And, uh, special for a lot of us, uh, I guess in my circle of friends. Um, and, uh, she'll have a show like that again. She will. Um, but she's, I think what's really special about Pussy Willow, and she showed this to us the other night at the Astorian, um, is that she has this background in musical theater. And um, it is actually quite strong. And uh, what she is not as a... Um, as a Hell's Kitchen queen in terms of like cat cat, right? She is doubly that on the other side of it as a uh, musical theater artist. And she, when she shows us those strengths, it's marvelous. Yeah. She did a parody of A Spoonful of Sugar the other night that is like fire. And like, I haven't written a parody in a while, but I did and so I can speak on it. Uh, if the lyrics were great. Um, and so she's fucking wickedly talented. I don't, yeah. we don't keep her around for, for ha-has, though she's funny, but she's also incredibly gifted. Next we have Sherry Poppins. Sherry Poppins. My phone is on, girl. Haven't heard from you in a second. <laughs> um, she's so damn busy though. Like, no wonder. She's like a fucking manager at Lush and also doing like six shows a week. Um, I, I commend her hustle i like that is so crazy the schedule that she's on right now yeah um so it is really special when i see sherry out like going to support a show because even with all the shit that she has to do she can still go out and do it so so can we all um and sherry is a wonderful person and someone i will uh always work with for at least you know while we're in drag uh yeah Next, we have Andy Starling. Andy Starling. They call her superb, and that she is. Um, super B. Super B. <laughs> um, also a tremendous artist who is uh, ever-changing and ever-evolving. And I'm really excited for her in this show because uh, she's really going to be able to stretch her wings yeah. And uh, fly, I think. Um, because now she's back to her character acting work in theater, whereas Miss Starling is like this like glamorous like movie star. Like 
now she's playing the baby. <laughs> and she's Tallest six, baby ever. Right, and she's six and a half feet tall. Um, but that's, but that's what I, where I want to see Andy go too is like releasing that, opening your doors. Like I'm not, I don't want to be Marge forever. I don't want to be Amy forever. But they're characters, they're things to bring to the market. Um, and uh, hopefully, from something like this, it'll open the doors for all of us to be able to have new creations of, uh, or new ways of creating performance material based on a reference that uh, uh, is really like special and iconic to, you know, yeah. to the world. Because um, like, we want to do, what I want to do with my life is like, take The Simpsons and like, great, we have that at the Lori Beachman, but I want to show where I have a monthly where every month I'm doing a different adaptation yeah. of something. Aria really wants to do Little Women. Um, I really want to do Ruthless with her as well, though I feel like Ruthless is like, could be done it just could just be done at icon and be fine um i feel like it's just like a short small musical um but i want to have a show where like we are taking uh these big culture pieces steel magnolias would be fucking fierce drag steel magnolia show come on mm-hmm. um like i think they'd be and like so going back to Andy, like Andy is a person who I'm really excited to have on this journey that hopefully that she stays with me on my journey to do this. Um, because like, I know she's versatile. She knows she's versatile and here she's going to show everyone how versatile it is. She is. So, um, you better watch out here. comes Starling. I would fear for my life if I did not include this final person because she would kill me. Oh, good. Let's talk about Elizabeth Warren. Ah, Aria Derchi. Um, I love Aria Derchi. Super much so. Um, that is my partner in crime. Uh, the, uh, you know, the, like, writing partner that I always, always wanted. Someone who thinks like I do. Someone who finds interest in the same type of humor and spectacle and uh she is um uh the most perfect person to walk into my life when they did um sometimes i feel like we support each other's bad habits and (laughs) uh yeah she came and fed my cat while i was in iceland and so i bought her a pack of cigarettes you know uh we don't really do the best for each other sometimes but we uh we we do pretty good for each other, and uh, I know she asks a bunch of questions. So well, we'll get to. I'm it. gonna we'll, just we'll, say we'll, the nice we'll, things about her right now because I'm nervous she's gonna yeah. ask some questions that are gonna we'll, make me we'll curse her out right here. Well, you've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube. What do you what, what kind of videos are you watching? Oh my god! Oh god! There's so many. Um. Okay. So I love this channel called Pasta Grannies. Okay. Um. It's so fun. This woman like goes all over Italy and like finds these nonnas and they're like ciao mi chiamo Sara the the faccio in casa la pasta de fafala and it's like oh my gosh cute like it's just so cute uh and they make like this delicious homemade pasta um there are like some of these asmr videos that are not like the but like the other kind of asmr uh-huh. videos that like i don't need to say anymore but like <laughs> that's my thing and like judge me all you want i don't have netflix and um uh there i mean i also have other 
YouTube holes. Like, sometimes I love to watch interviews. I just watched a series of Barbara Walters interviews. I'm very into Barbara Walters' career. Um, Baba Wawa. Baba Wawa. Um, that might be... That might be something that happens one day. But, uh... That's later. That might be, like, uh... Right... Right at the end. Yeah. Uh... Well, Ari tried to steal this question from me, but if you had to pick one New York City drag queen to be your partner on The Amazing Race, who would it be? Oh, um, I'm dub picking Aria. Because that's good TV. Yeah, it's great TV. We're fucking funny, but also we're very resourceful and, like, she can do crazy shit. She's strong as hell, so, and I'm, and I'm clever and fast and, and uh, scrappy, she likes to call me. So, I think we would, I think we would do good. So we're going to move into the pop five rapid fire. I'm going to give you five pop culture things. You're going to give me a word, phrase, story, whatever you want to talk about about it. Ready? Okay. Carolina Change being revived on Broadway. So excited. So excited. Can't wait. Never got to see the original. So excited. I'll definitely have to go see this one. Number two, the apparent Destiny's Child reunion. Not real. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Are you I mean, fucking kidding? Just say yes. I did it. I did it. You did it. I, I, don't, too. I, love I don't think it's happening. It's not I'm real. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No. Unless, unless she's going to just drop an album with the two of them one day randomly, it's not going to be a thing. I don't think they need to make any more music. I think they need to just do what they're doing now. Like, I don't want to... I'm sure I, Kelly and Michelle would like that paycheck. Sure, sure, sure. But, like, I want to... I, I, I don't know. I want to remember Destiny's Child as I remember it. Sure. And I want to remember my Beyonce concerts as I remember them. And I really hope she goes on tour by herself next time because I'm really tired of seeing Jay. Yeah. Um, I just think he's a lackluster performer. Mm -hmm. He's a great lyricist, uh, but I... He's a good producer. Yeah, but I can't fucking understand him when he's rapping yeah. on mic in a stadium it, yeah. it, it, it's just muffled it doesn't work the crowd and his voice like he does not have a voice for no. a 30,000 seat or 80,000 seat arena he doesn't she does she's proven that time and time again um cause she's so technically spot on but he is a mess number three Cats the movie I don't care I didn't care about the Broadway show. I don't. I don't know. I, I like the song "Memory" with when Heather Headley sang it on YouTube, but I don't like. I don't care. You're not gonna go see it. Not at midnight. <laughs> no, never at midnight. Oh God, it's the last. I didn't even see that movie in the theater. So, um, no, I uh, don't. I don't particularly have care. I also don't really like Andrew Lloyd Webber's musicals, even though I've worked on Evita before, um, and Phantom. But I just don't particularly care for his writing i think it's uh i think it's very derivative yeah number four we're gonna get a little political trump wants to buy a fucking country um so i flew over greenland on the way back from iceland and i think what's important to remember is that greenland is about 90 percent it's actually probably like 98 percent glacier mm -hmm. um and that is a really really dangerous uh, venture for that land, for the people of that land uh, to even consider. Um, especially when you have a president that has shown time and time and again that uh, 
foreign policy will always be dictated by big oil and big oil money. And um, the only type of infrastructural relief that Donald Trump wants to provide is uh, pipelines. And neither of those things look good for a country that's melting away. I also, I mean, this also sounds, you know, I think that last sentence right there also sums up the stupidity Mm -hmm. of him trying to buy Greenland. Um, Because... uh, It's a hoax. No, no, it's not a hoax. That's what he says. What? Him. Uh, climate change is a hoax. Right. But it, it, the, 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 the fucking country is melting away. There is nothing more valuable than the, the ground you step on. The yeah. land that you step foot on. I'm not buying an apartment. I am buying a house. I am buying a row house here in Astoria when that happens. Because I want the fucking ground. That's it. That's why. Like, I don't, I, I think it's, it, it is unsafe. It is uh, not in the interest of the United States. There's nothing that Greenland provides us that we can't get from elsewhere. Yeah. Um, it just sounds uh, bad. Finally, number five, RuPaul announces All-Stars 5 and season 12 are coming soon. Oh, really? I didn't know. Yeah, it was announced today. And no, I know. I saw it already, but I'm just like, oh, really, Rue? We didn't fucking know? I'm, I mean, we're in the business. We're in the industry. We know what these things... We know when these things are happening. I um, just hope we get a break. Like, give it to us next well, year. Well, no, this, this, this month they're releasing... And there's only a few more days in the month. They're going to be releasing the UK cast. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, give us... A, like, let us have Dracula. Give us the UK. And then in 2020... No, in but January, see, Dracula is... You know, um, uh, Dracula's its own thing. Like, I don't know. I, I think, I, I'm not disappointed that we're going to get a Dracula in the middle of all of this, but I am, ner- I am just, uh, I don't know. I, congratulations to the people competing on this season. Um, you worked really hard to get there and this is something you wanted and now it's happening and you are very much deserved of your moment, but I... I'm just, like, over the series. Like, you know, like, it's fun to watch, but, uh, I don't know. It's not, like, I, I, I'd like to think of it as, like, a TV show I watch and not a TV show that I, like, am in an industry about because they just, like, complicate things. Yeah. Um, and uh, while we're saying that and my voice is being heard, um, if I ever see a drag queen copy one of a drag race girls moments on the show in their performance uh or at least try to attempt it in the same manner i will judge you because that's not original and that's not what we should be doing it's not the art that i will be supporting honestly we are moving into the fan corner or as i like to call it ari dirty land i know that's why i've taken an hour and a half to get here all right so the first thing she wrote was i hate this queen me too uh, next is she asks why are you so expensive because a bitch trying to work out here and she cannot work looking so cheap who are some of the people that have helped you shape who have helped shape you into the queen you are today um uh, Heidi Ho Aria, um, Shaquita Hall, uh, Lenny Watts, 
um, ruby rims, uh, shit, so many folks, Avant Garbage, Fifi, Hibiscus, um, Chauncey, um, Lindsay, Gilda, Andy, Pussy. I mean, I just take my inspiration and influence from everyone. I mean, people who had really big hands in helping my career, like, start, like, there are people like Shaquita, who, like, gave me that spot on the first All-Stars for me to, like, show that I can do something. Yeah. Um, you know, just one little opportunity, and I'm grateful for it, and I thank you for it, and you keep doing what you're doing, boo, because I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing now. Thanks for all your help. Next question from Aria. What will be your last meal on death row? Um, uh, depends who's still alive when I'm on death row. Um, oh, God, I hate, I hate this question. But, like, <laughs> I would, like, if my mom was still alive, like, this sounds, like, torturous for her to have to do. But I'd be, like, I want my mom's tomato sauce. All right. And pasta. Is it legendary? What? The tomato oh, sauce. Yeah, it's amazing. But I couldn't ever make my mom do that. I can never, I could never kill somebody. I can never kill somebody. Ever. Never something I could do. No way. Next question from Aria. Do you think Aria Derchi is a bitch? Explain. Yeah, I do. Um, and she should be. Because she has a lot to defend and she has a lot of people that don't fucking see her for the incredible artist she is um her mixes rival some of the best girls in the industry um and she can turn out a number and uh make an audience happy uh just as well as some of the girls that have been in the business for x amount of years um you know really like i see her uphold a better show than people who we came into the scene looking up at right yeah like um she uh, yeah yeah she's a bitch but she's because she has to fight for her place because otherwise she gets wiped away by people who are like oh she doesn't have you know 250 dollars dresses like she has what she has and like uh she is incredibly beautiful and has a incredible sense of style and um you know she has these amazing numbers and knows how to put on a drag show and so, like, she's a bitch, but she has to be. Because, she, like, what is she supposed to be? Like, oh, yeah, like, so humble and modest. Like, no, she doesn't have to be so humble and modest. That's my job. Like, she needs to be the one in our relationship that, like, says, you know, fuck you. If you don't like our shit, get out. Because, like, we, we need that balance. And uh, she does it well. Final question. And this is a curveball because it's not from Aria, but this is from Pussy Willow. Oh, good. Fuck, Mary, kill. Arya Derchi, Heidi Ho, Johanna. <laughs> um. Uh, um. This is rough. <laughs> this is rough. Because Heidi's getting married. But, like, um. Uh, I can't marry Arya because we could never live together, but I need her alive. So, 
I guess I would fuck Heidi, marry Haria, and kill Johanna, even though Johanna's the, the better fuck, probably, but, like, <laughs> but after Johanna, I would just, like, like, you know, send her to the door, lock it, and, like, never call her again, so, like, <laughs> I at least want to, like, make, uh, keep the people alive that matter. Yeah, alright, so, I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question, uh-huh. and this is a question from Juicy Lou. Okay. If you could be any drag queen for a day, who would that drag queen be? Oh, wow. Um, hmm. I think I would like to be somebody who... Um, I don't really know the answer to it yet, so I just want to talk about the things that... I want to be someone who's, like, doing this full-time, like, wake up, sun up to sun down. It's, like, doing drag and, uh, making money from gigs. Um, right? I would love to know what it's like to be Honey Davenport for a day now that she's had this happen, Mm -hmm. um, on whatever scale that may be. Um, I would love to know what it's like to be someone like, uh... Tina Burner, who is, you know, runs her own production company, um, but is also Snatching Crowns. Uh, I want to, that's the, like, you know, I want to know what it's like to be those kind of folk. Um, I just want to know what it's like to not have to work my day job anymore. That's fair. Like, I love my day job and I, like, love teaching these kids, but, like, I'm tired. And I just really just, like, would rather spend the time, like, teaching myself how to sew right yeah well now's your turn to ask my next guest a question Hmm. um i will ask the question that i asked seraphim and she didn't have an answer for what's your dream in drag what's your dream love it well if you've gotten this far in the podcast use hashtag pasta party where can we find you on social media? You can find me on Instagram at Miss Sissy Walkin, M-I-S-S-C-I-S-S-Y, because I love you and I hope you love me too. W-A-L-K-E-N. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, barely. Uh, and then uh, Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, uh, Bitcoin, all of it. Um, yeah. Well, this was such a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. A huge thanks to Sissy for chatting. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher and leave us a review while you're there. Make sure you engage with me on social media and tell me what your favorite episode so far has been. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.